0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff This is episode number 44. My name is Zach, and joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude?
1: Not too much. I've been enjoying getting stuffed in lockers all week as I head back to school in Strixhaven draft. Uh, that, that, that's not exactly. It. I've, I've been having a good time. Um, I haven't been just getting bullied the whole time. I've been doing a little bit of bullying myself.
0: <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I've been enjoying it as well. This week, we're talking all about Strixhaven. As well, we did our format breakdown last week, so if you are still just getting around to checking out the format, haven't really looked into that too much, check out the format breakdown. That'll be a great place to start and get you situated with what to expect in the format. This week, though, we're talking about our first impressions. We've had about a week to uh, to work with the set and play around with a bunch of different stuff, get some interesting feedback from the community, and kind of uh, put our heads together and, and kind of come to a decision on where we're at with this format right now. So we're going to be talking all about that. But before we get into all of that wonderful discussion, we got two things to cover. First, the Discord. If you're not in it you should be it's a pretty awesome place with a lot of cool people who have who are like you i'm sure if you're listening to this show are very interested in the limited scene and we've been having some really good discussions about different deck types in the discord lately so definitely check that out the the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our twitter and of course the show is brought to you by you the listener via patreon if you're interested in giving back to the show you can do so at patreon com forward slash draft chaff pod. This is essentially the only thing that keeps the show running week in and week out. Uh, we have five different tiers there, and you know, ranging from from two dollars to ten dollars a month. And we've got access to different things like stickers, the full show notes, uh, custom deck building opportunities with us, uh, access to like completely unedited versions of the show. And once we hit fifty dollars a month, which we're almost at, we're we're mm. s- somewhere in the middle of forty bucks around about uh, per month. As soon as we hit $50 a month, we're going to start uploading the video versions of the show every week to go along with the audio version. So you can, you know, look forward to seeing that on YouTube.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some upside and some downside there. Uh, On the upside, uh, I guess everyone will get to see our cool backgrounds. On the downside, uh, they have to see our our faces. Uh, (laughs) I I don't really know uh, if that's worth the trade-off. But I will say, uh, there's going to be some custom decks going out soon. I have a few people that it's time to get in contact with around the... uh, Ben's deck building Bonanza, I'm excited. I've thrown together some nonsense decks here and there just for fun, and I'm, I'm excited to turn my powers of... Uh, I, I guess I'll use my powers for good uh, for, for once. This counts as, as for good, unless, unless the patrons request me use them for evil, in which I'm happy to oblige.
0: <laughs> well, if you're interested in getting Ben's uh, direct and very specific assistance on a particular deck building opportunity definitely check out the Patreon for that. On to our crack draft type thing. Ben, I hear you've got something spicy for us this week.
1: Yeah, dude. It's the first week of a new format. You hear that? There's no substitute for a real paper pack on week one. I mean, I've seen some pretty interesting draft picks, but honestly, until we're a little bit more settled in the format, I think I'd rather just crack open a pack and and just do a pack one pick one. Sounds good to me. Oh, that was a good pack opening. Nice. There we go. All right. This pack feels heavy. I don't know. Maybe they, they fixed the card stock or something. Foil is no longer curved. Fantastic. Uh, hopefully there's a, a foil mystical archive in here. Uh, I'm hoping for a dark tutor, a dark tutor, demonic tutor, maybe like a a, a doom blade, uh, blue sun Zenith. I've been having a lot of fun with these in draft. Now, notably, this is straight out of my pre-release kit. So if uh, my buddy Matt is listening, uh, no spoilers, I'm going to be playing these cards against you in a, in a week or two. First up, we've got Witherbloom Pledge Mage. This is three uh, Witherbloom, Witherbloom. For a 5-5 five five Tree Folk Warrior. And as Magecraft, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, you gain one life. I've been happy with this card.
0: Yeah, it's been great. I mean the 5-5 five five body's super, super huge in this format. Like it's really difficult for most creatures to get that big. And so it, it tends to stick around. It not a whole lot of removal in the format deals with it efficiently. A lot of the all like your no your more traditional um unconditional removal is is, you know, laden with some kind of downside right we have some of those those effects that are like exile your own creature to exile another creature things of that nature that are a little bit uh lopsided but pledge mage has been great yeah i don't know that i'm really ho- excited to first pick it but it's a card that i'm happy to put in any of my green or black decks
1: mm-hmm. i found the life games not be too relevant either this card can easily gain three four life uh oh, I mean, yeah. it's not a lin or anything but it's really solid for sure next up we've got letter of acceptance this is three generic for an artifact you can tap to add one mana of any color, or you can pay to sacrifice it. Well, tap it, sacrifice it, draw a card.
0: I like this. I like this artifact. Honestly, it's—I mean, it's a rock, but it, it fixes your your colors. It works. You know, it gets you any color mana. It, you can cash it in later. Not the m- most amazing top deck, but in games of Strixhaven, when you're going to turn 10 plus pretty much every game reliably uh, and you want to hit extra lands and get your big spells out i'm perfectly happy to take a letter not first picking it though
1: Mm -hmm. yeah you're definitely playing this if you're trying to get to the late game or cast big spells prismari is is pretty interested in this especially if you have a bunch of those uh random seven or eight drops right but again it's just fine speaking of prismari we've got prismari pledge mage up next this is Prismari, Prismari, for a 3-3 orc wizard with Defender. It is Magecraft, and then if you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, it can attack this turn as though it didn't have Defender.
0: Yeah, Prismari Pledge Mage is pretty huge in the Prismari decks, especially. They don't really have a ton of access to two drops. And so mm-hmm. getting access to a two drop with a big body is is huge because and, and honestly, the defender aspect of this doesn't really make it a downside because all you're really looking to do in prismari is survive that early game to get to the late game you don't really care about your three three needing to attack so yeah Mm. very happy again not really excited and i'll just go out and say for any of the pledge mages i'm really not excited to first pick them but uh serviceable card and you're gonna play it in your prismari decks you're gonna even play it in your quandrix decks yeah it's a good card Mm. i did actually have a build where i had uh
1: double prismari apprentice in which case, if I had picked up a few more Prismari Pledge Mages, I could have seen myself going into some kind of blue-red, like, tempo, like, super aggressive beatdown. In which case, a 2-mana 3-3 attacker would have been pretty dope. Uh, True. Just noting that that is an option. But, yeah, usually you're just going to hold this back. Honestly, this trades with a bunch of 4-drops in the set. It does. So, <laughs> you're, you're pretty happy trading your 2-drop for a 4-drop at any given time. Uh, here's the 2-drop that you're not going to be happy to put in your deck. This is Ageless Guardian. This is 1-and-a-white for a 1-4 Spirit Soldier. And then there's a bunch of other flavor text on it, but,
0: uh, yeah, this, this is the type of card that made us in our format breakdown episode, talk about how Lorehold had a bit of a, a slower take than what we're used to seeing in red, white decks and agreed. You're not really excited about this card at all. It's generally not making the cut in any deck that's running white, but I have seen this come down early like on like exactly on curve turn 2 it's a 1 4 nothing attacks through this until like f- turn 5 or 6 basically and it just gums up the board while you can hold on to your uh you know your your pump spells and you know jam a, a combat professor and then just beef it up and there you go you won the game so it's, it's a great way to stall early
1: yeah red white has some creatures that are really tough to attack through uh pillar drop warden is quickly becoming one of my least favorite cards in the format that thing has reach it's a one five and then it gets back a, a, an incident of an instant of source stream come on i'm trying to attack and kill you here like <laughs> get out of the way this, this little one form has the same kind of role but uh it is just two mana for a one four this just isn't really gonna be on par with the other things happening this should be one of the cards that winds up getting cut most of the time it's not the most embarrassing thing in the world to play this but you're almost never trading this for your opponents two drop it it might gum up the board a little bit but i just think it's too low impact yeah next up we have resculpt this is one of the blue for an instant exile target artifact or creature its controller creates a four-four blue and red elemental creature token.
0: Yeah, I'm not really high on this card at all. I don't think I've ever taken it. Not really looking to take it. It triggers Magecraft, but I mean, you can use it to upgrade your own stuff. But I don't really, don't really like giving my opponents big creatures. Like a four-four mm-hmm. is actually a super relevant body.
1: Yeah, I have found I saw this work exactly once where my opponent had a pest, and on my end step, I, I thought I was pretty safe. Uh, I did. I made an attack. Um, where they would have needed essentially two things to be able to crack back and, and, and kill me. They would have needed um like a pump spell and a removal spell, and they had uh like two cards in hand. They re-sculpted their pest into a four-four. And then uh I, I had left back like a three-three and I'm like, uh oh. That's yeah. that that doesn't look good. Um still that's, not. That's the, the ceiling best. on
0: that card though, right? Like you turn your one-one into a four-four.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, that's it. I don't I don't think this is probably a little bit better in Sealed, but that's still a 4 for You're never targeting your opponent's stuff with this, are you? Um, unless they're playing, I don't know, is it, it, downgrading like Belladros Witherbloom into this? It's not the best thing in the world.
0: Yeah, I just, I don't know. I've never taken the card. I don't expect I will anytime soon.
1: Well, here's a nice first pick. Heated Debate. This is two in a red for an instant. This spell can't be countered. This includes the ward ability. Thanks, reminder text. Heated Debate deals four damage to target Creature or
0: Planeswalker. Nice. Yeah, definitely the pick so far. Heated Debate is the best red common removal, so you really can't go wrong taking it early, scooping that up. And and removal can be pretty significant in this format because there are a lot of creatures, especially removal that deals four. We'll see at some point, I'm sure we'll talk about a different removal spell in red that that deals three, Um, but having it deal four is huge because there are a lot of beefy creatures in this format and uh, uh three is not always enough to get it done and in this case having it be uh, a way to get around ward is is also pretty big
1: next up we've got big play this is one of the green for an instant target creature gets plus two plus two and gains reach until end of term put a plus one plus one counter on it
0: yeah all right <laughs> it's fine not 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 a big enough play to take out the heated debate though <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I've, I've cut this card a few times. It has yet to make my deck. It's two mana for plus three, plus three. If your deck's in the market for that, sure. But honestly, not too many are. This type of effect usually goes into, say, like green-red decks or green-white decks. Decks that need a way to be able to push through that last bit of damage on either going wide or going tall. But... This format doesn't have either of those color pairs. Blue-green, I think, is the deck that would want this the most. And even then, they're often drawing so many cards and using their mana so efficiently in other ways, putting extra lands out, playing bigger spells. You don't really care too much about this. Black-green, I think, just has better options. There's a life gain-based pump spell at Uncommon that you can usually pick up if you want this type of effect. Or black-green has some interesting tricks uh ones that uh give it this is the black green one the name i'm blanking on but it gives a creature death touch and when it would die returns tapped you gain two life that just triggers everything the deck cares about and it even rebuys etb so uh this just doesn't really make the cut yeah oh another guy that's not going to make the cut is novice dissector this is three and a black for a three three troll warlock you can pay one sacrifice another creature put a plus one plus one counter on target creature Activate only as a sorcery. Yeah, nope. I
0: don't. I don't. Yeah, I've never been excited to pick this card, and in fact, I've only been in a silver quill deck like very, very few of my drafts. So I haven't really had the opportunity to play around with it too much yet. But it just doesn't seem like something I'm ever happy to put in in those decks. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, silver
1: quill. I mean, this seems like the natural home, as it gives you flexibility on putting counters on things but silver quills creatures you don't really want to sack them yeah yeah I it's mean, a little
0: bit torn between the two themes right it, it, the sack thing you kind of want to see in witherbloom and the the plus one plus one counters i guess can go anywhere but that's really kind of silver quills home so it does feel a little weird to have both of those effects and like you said it, it you don't really want to sack any silver Quill stuff and you don't really care about the counters generally in witherbloom so
1: yeah i found generally the only things I'm happy sacrificing new abilities, because Dina also has the, the sacrifice ability. Um, the only things that I tend to be happy sacrificing are the pests. Um, I right, definitely yeah. am not sacrificing inklings. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's yeah, two
0: yeah, of course not.
1: Yeah. So I'm happy sacrificing pests. Uh, but pest summoning is a, uh, I think it's up there with the, the premium commons, uh, especially yeah. because it's so flexible. It can go in both uh, black, green, or black, white so the fact that this is kind of like you mentioned it's trying to do a little bit too much um i don't know i think i think our student here is overextended and it's time for him to dial back maybe drop a class or two pick a house and stay there next up we've got our summoning uh, or, or rather our, our lesson for the pack we've got elemental summoning this is three prismari prismari for a lesson sorcery create a four four blue and red elemental creature token Man, I have seen this spell copied so many times.
0: <laughs> it's a great target to copy, I'll tell you that. It's a good yeah. card. I, I'm i still, like, I am very high on the lessons. I think they're way better than we gave them credit for in the format breakdown. I think they're way better than people gave them credit for before the set came out. And I think pretty much everybody has come up on them. That said, I still don't think I'm first picking them. I, I would like to see where the rest of the pack is. And, and comparing it already to the heated debate, I think I would just take heated debate here. And see yep. if potentially I could wheel the the summoning there or end up in, in a color pair that I might not care about it necessarily. You know, uh you'll always like like you always like to have the summonings because of their mana cost. You can play them in just about any deck. But mm, I'd rather just stay open a little bit and take the take the heated debate here.
1: Fair enough. Oh, how about that? We've got another uh another lesson here. We've got necrotic fumes. This is one black black for a sorcery. It's a lesson. As an additional cost to cast this spell, exile a creature you control, exile target creature, or planeswalker. Now, this is another one of these just so hyper-flexible removal spells. The flexibility doesn't come from the effect itself, but it comes from the fact that you can essentially tutor for this only when you need it. So if your opponent has a 10 talent on the other side of the battlefield, and you're like, uh-oh, I really need to deal with that. Well, if you've got this in the sideboard, just go grab it when you can. Um, and then you're going to be able to, uh, to deal with that effectively, and otherwise you wouldn't be able to. So, nice. <laughs> it it yeah. just works. It's yeah, a really I mean, cool it, mechanic.
0: It does exactly what what lesson uh, you know, what the whole learn lesson thing was intending to do. It gives you way more flexibility in your decks and honestly makes makes it so you really have something approaching like 30 playables by the end of, of the the deck building process like actually in your deck because all of your learn spells count double essentially. So, um, yeah, huge huge to be on the lessons and having access to removal is pretty good. I think I'm still on heated debate though. I don't think it's correct to start taking lessons because before you know what colors you're in because there's a strong chance you can't play them except for the summonings and mm. uh, and obviously the colorless stuff, but the colorless stuff isn't strong enough to really warrant a first pick anyway. And um, a lot of them are bad bad enough that you don't want to main deck them anyway. Yeah. So, some of the summonings, and we'll talk about this later, are are exceptions to that, but... I think I'm still on heated debate here.
1: I think Necrotic Fumes is one you can main deck if you're playing Witherbloom and have at least two to three pest makers. Um, either the 4-3 that makes one on ETB or uh, if you have the rare one that makes one on ETB or if you have a few pest summonings. But um, yes, you know, uh, I, I, I do like pests quite a bit. Um, as opposed to our next card, uh, stone binder familiar. This is one white for a one one spirit dog, and what a what a great dog! Have, the flavor text of this is fantastic too. Hey, my great great grandfather had a dog just like that, and it's it's like definitely that dog. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, whenever one or more cards are put into exile from your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on Stonebinder Binder Familiar. This ability triggers only once each turn.
0: Yeah, I just don't think this is playable. I mean,
1: what's the best you can do with this?
0: You you, you need to.
1: I guess also have a Tome Shredder and then uh, be activating the every single turn reliably. I mean, this attacks is a 1-1 for the first like at least three turns, right?
0: Yeah, and by then it's not really doing anything anyway. You'd much rather be putting your resources into something else. So I'm off it.
1: Yeah, sad because I mean, it, I, I like this kind of one drop build around this one drop with the potential to grow. Uh, think of flourishing fox that thing was uh, an absolute beast in icoria and i mean people play it in the standard and now historic so next up we've got tend the pests oh this is this is a nice one black green for an instant as an additional cost to cast the spell sacrifice a creature create x one one black and green pest creature tokens with whenever this creature dies you gain one life where x is the sacrificed creature's power nice
0: yeah, definitely a card you want in your Witherbloom decks. I still am on heated debate, though. I'm not sure... You know, th- there's an interesting conversation to be had about when to understand what deck you're in. Mm, and I yeah. think, essentially, that... We can we can spend more time on this later, but I think, essentially, that comes in at around, like, pack... Uh, p- sorry, pack one, pick three-ish, is when you should mm-hmm. have a, an okay idea of, like, yeah, this is, this is the deck I'm playing. So I think staking your like just planting your flag on pack one pick one and saying i'm taking a witherbloom card and i'm playing witherbloom and that's it is way too early to do that unless yep. you have like you know you open belladros or something but outside of opening a bomb rare or bomb uncommon or something that's that's in the that color pair i think it's better to try to stay open for at least the first two picks and then you get a better idea of what's getting passed your way mm-hmm.
1: i'll say signals are quite a bit easier to read in this format than than some other times <laughs> when, when you see a uh, red white gold card and, and like a good one pick five pack one it's pretty clear that several people to your right have said i have no interest in this and i'm already starting to figure out what deck i'm in right that's a really good signal uh, exactly. especially if you find like a, if you get past like a mono colored card now it is delayed a little bit because there are several more potential viable first picks in each pack given the presence of the uh, the lesson and also the uh the archive card So uh, you kind of have to delay this by a little bit because maybe people are waffling by taking, I don't know, some random mystical archive. Maybe they decided that they thought they could take a, uh, I don't know, a dark ritual or something. And they're like, Ooh, I bet, I bet this will work. And then they realize, wait a minute, this, this won't work. Uh, And then they they, they waffle back and start actually drafting a real deck. So I I, I agree. I think somewhere around pack five or sorry, pick five to six. That's when I like to be solidifying myself, um, That's usually when I start to see if there's like an Allen shield mage still coming, then I'm like, okay, this is pretty clearly open. This is like a a pretty strong comment in these colors. Nobody has claimed this. I'm going to move in on this color pair. But again, we can get more into that later. Our rare is elemental expressionist. This is uh, a short dictionary, and I guess I have to read (laughs) it. This is Prismari, 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 Prismari for a 4-4 orc wizard. It has... <clears> hmm <throat> magecraft whenever you cast a copy an instant or sorcery spell choose target creature you control until end of turn it gains if this creature would leave the battlefield exile it instead of putting it anywhere else and when you exile this creature create a 4-4 blue and red elemental creature token each instance of that ability triggers separately i've read this card several times and i'm still not entirely sure how it plays <laughs> out whenever my opponent casts it i just kill it <laughs> and then i am honestly not really uh, not interested yeah that being said, it, 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 I think it's the pick. It's a good card. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is one of those those situations where it's it's a tricky I think it's a tricky pick because it is a powerful card, but it the, of the the hybrid spells in this set, that one basically solidifies you in Prismari. Like it's pretty hard to play this outside of Prismari oh, yeah. just because your, you know, you need four of your off color if you're playing it in anything else. Like if you're trying to play this in white red or something like You need four red sources? Mm -hmm. Like, no, I I don't know about that. But
1: it's impossible not to be able to cast this if you're playing Prismari. Yeah, it's it's just colorless in Prismari. Yeah, which is great. Um, And and I guess I I was being a little bit uh, flippant about this, but it is actually a pretty good effect. So this kind of gives your creatures protection from stuff. Uh, Basically, as long as you're able to hold up a spell, which admittedly you're not able to do. Uh, If you take this, you might want to consider drafting some cheaper instants maybe if there's an opt going by grab that but essentially if you're able to leave up an instant to use uh you can kind of blow out removal or uh, attacks that are that are trying to be set up by your opponent you could also just cast the sorcery first main phase and then uh, attack him with the creature and it makes trading really awkward um this combines really well with combat tricks as well so yeah, I, I would take the Expressionist here. This does lock into Prismari. Maybe later in the format, we would say that maybe you should take the heated debate and stay a little bit more open, but I like Prismari a little bit more than Lorehold. I haven't been super stoked on Lorehold. I've just found it, it's not like, I don't think it's bad. Uh, I, I don't want to spoil the rest of the show, but I don't think any of the color pairs are bad. I don't think any of them are unplayable. I think they're all pretty cool and and can win games, but uh, I do like Prismari just a little bit more. I, I'd take the Expressionist here.
0: Well, I would probably take the Expressionist here, but we do have an archive that we haven't seen yet. So
1: We do, and it's not the most exciting one. This is strategic planning. Mm-hmm. This is one in the blue for a sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library, put one into your hand, and the rest in the graveyard.
0: Yeah, I'm on the Expressionist here. The strategic planning looks beautiful in the Mystical Archive. It is a good card in the Spellhead. Like, you would like to see that wheel after taking the Expressionist. You're going to play that in an Expressionist yeah. deck. So yeah. Oh,
1: uh, I should mention, there's a foil. It's a Kelpie guide. Uh, oh, this is Kelpie guy's a, a great blue. card. Kelpie guy's dope. Uh, this is two and a blue for a 2-2. Two, two. You can tap it to untap a tar- another target permanent you control. You can, or tap the tap target permanent, activate only if you control eight or more lands. Yeah, tappers the tappers are great. Yeah, absolutely. I, love I mean, Kelpie you're still guy.
0: taking Expressionist here, but but yeah, solid card.
1: Yeah, it is very pretty. It's this like a, uh, it's kind of like a seahorse, but it's like a, it's a seahorse, but it's also a land horse. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what a kelpie is exactly, but I imagine something along those lines.
0: All right, that brings us to our Teferi Tibble. This is the section of the show where Ben and I talk about our previous weeks leading up to the recording of the episode. Uh, we talk about something that went well, aka the Teferi, and something that went poorly, aka the Tibble. So, Ben, why don't you kick us off with that? How's your week been?
1: Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Um, got a little bit caught up on lesson planning. Got back to exercising regularly. We have a cool new format. I've been playing a ton of historic recently. It's it's kind of been uh, tough to decide whether I want to draft or play historic. This uh this turn four uh ultimatum deck that that's been kind of going around. Look, you've ramped into uh, ultimatums before. I'm just saying you got to try playing them on turn four. Thanks to Mizix's mastery. And scholar, the lost trove, uh, combined with unburial rites, and then just a bunch of faithless lootings and brainstorms. Give, Got to give credit to uh, to LSV and BK for for developing this list. It is an absolute blast. It feels like you're playing twin uh, because it's essentially a turn four. If you have it, you win. <laughs> uh, and but but the cool part, twin. Uh, when you when you play Splinter Twin on a Deceiver Exarch, for example, you just make infinite Deceiver Exarchs and then you swing for the win. When you do this on turn four. You have the game has just begun because you're about to take like three extra turns, uh, make like a million five five flying sphinxes. Then you can clone them, and then you can uh, go go tutor for omniscience, and then uh, go clone something else to flashback something else. This deck is a blast. Problem I would is say you can't is,
0: do any of that like. because your opponent will just scoop.
1: Okay, so uh, I will say sometimes burn opponents don't scoop because they 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 might have like if you're at six. Uh, and they have like two cards in your hand they might have bolt bolt so they might just be like all right maybe they'll fizzle that those are the special games those are the fun ones but they uh they wait um they don't usually get to untap after turn four though (laughs) so uh my tibolt this week my brother well it's gonna start off sounding like it's a fairy um my brother adopted a dog this week i saw Uh, my brother and his wife it's a very very good dog uh his name is walnut He's uh, about a year old. Adorable. And I don't know when I'm going to get to see him because I have so much work to do up here uh, and and my weekends are kind of booked. I don't know if I'm going to get to see it until like, I don't know, a, a t- two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, maybe, which
0: sucks. <laughs> yeah, that, that does suck. I would be be pretty, uh, you know, I'd be crawling out of my skin at that point. So that is super unfortunate, but really awesome that they adopted and very happy that that Walnut found a great home. How about you? What's up with you this week? Yeah, so uh, my teferi this week is that as of the recording of this episode, which we typically record on Wednesday evenings, I will be getting the second dose of the COVID vaccine tomorrow. So, you know, given the two week period where they say, you know, it's most effective after two weeks, by that point, you know, I'll be fully vaccinated and good to go as far as worrying about catching it and all that kind of stuff. My tidbolt this week is that as of the time of this recording, I'll be getting the second dose of the code vaccine tomorrow, so um, I've heard some pretty mixed things about the day after getting the, the second dose of the vaccine. I've heard different things depending on which of the two vaccines you got and all of those sorts of things, so I basically, like, one of my coworkers said to me today, like, basically, if you're getting the second dose, just expect you're going to be taking PTO. Like, you're, you're not going to be in the office because... It, it rocks you and make sure you have Advil on hand constantly. So but you you have been fully vaccinated, right?
1: Yeah. So I, I got Pfizer. I got my second dose of that a few weeks ago. Uh, and I got to say, welcome to the good life. Once you have that second dose, uh, it, it honestly does take a huge weight off your shoulders. But I had no reaction to it at all. Oh, wow. uh, in fact, my arm didn't even hurt. Uh, like it wasn't even even numb. My brother, on the other hand, uh, apparently he collapsed on the couch for 24 straight hours. So uh, I think it really just depends on on who it is and, and what it is. Are you getting the Pfizer or Moderna?
0: Pfizer. Yeah.
1: Uh, are you sure you don't want to get the other one? Get the uh, what, what they're calling the Arnold Pharma? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm a yeah. little mixed. <laughs> All right. On to our listener question of the week. This week, we've got one from one of our long term patrons, Hululu. Also works for 17 lands, so keep up the good work over there. Uh, Hulu asks, I have a friend who sometimes asks me about draft picks. One problem I found is that he tends to overreact to problems in previous drafts. For example, one time he drafted a snow deck with too few snow lands, so in the next draft he went on to take off-color snow basics ag- aggressively and ended up with a sketchy mana base. Or sometimes his best creature got bound in gold, so he started taking enchantment removal maybe too highly. What advice would you give him? Mm. This is pretty typical overcorrection bias right this happens to everybody who plays the game so definitely uh you know friend we didn't get the friend's name but if you're listening don't sweat it it's something that happens to everybody and is super correctable but basically my suggestion here would be to pay attention to the times that things happen well or work well for you as well as the times that they work poorly i think our brains tend to associate negative uh negative situations more strongly they tend we tend to keep those in mind more uh, effectively than we do positive things and so uh that's one thing to keep in mind the other thing i would say is is you want to keep sample size in 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 mind as well if this happened to you once probably not a good time to uh, to correct anything yet right you're, you're just getting a couple of data points maybe see if every single time you're playing the game you drew the wrong land or you you weren't able to cast your spells because your mana base was off okay maybe you need to adjust the way that you that you uh you construct mana bases but i would only do that after a handful of games like like probably more than than it takes an actual draft deck you know when when you talk about the the premier draft kind of league structure
1: yeah this isn't to say that your friend isn't on the right track um of course correction is good it's the over correction part that gets problematic for example um bound in gold was a, a strong removal spell. It didn't hurt for for green decks to have uh, one main deck broken wing sometimes if you're a little short on removal. Uh, and as for the snowlands, uh, you kind of did have to lean into those early. So your friend is on the right track and has clearly been trying to improve, and that's a good thing. Uh, I think they've already done the the hardest part. But now they also just have to consider, like Zach mentioned, consider the sample size, consider some other circumstances that were happening. Uh, Maybe something else was going wrong in that game. Maybe they just had an unlucky draw. uh, And that just happens sometimes. Sometimes you just never top deck that fourth land and uh, you wind up in a a rough spot. Also, um, just kind of thinking about this big picture, I think is a, a good piece of advice too. These types of things happen. And that's okay. This is part of the learning experience. This, I, what I'd be concerned about here is that this feels like your friend could easily fall into the uh, like, like, man, nothing's working out. You know, um, I tried fixing it and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So, um, as we've we've made pretty clear on our, on our mental magic episodes, um, sometimes it, it can help just to kind of take a deep breath and you know close the game for for a few hours and then come back to it later. Sometimes uh, this overcorrection can just be the result of someone not thinking at their their most clear.
0: Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning, especially when it comes to reacting to cards your opponents have, because we got to kind of two different examples here, right? The first example was that a friend drafted a snow deck with too few snowlands. That that's on friend, right? They didn't draft enough snowlands. And then the second situation was friend got best creature bound in gold. That's on the opponent. They played the bound in gold. Hmm. So uh, one thing to consider in both these situations is the first set is okay. What can I do to fix this? I didn't have enough snowlands. Why didn't I take snowlands? Was it incorrect to take the cards I did take over snowlands in the situation that I was in? Because it may have been that you were still correct in taking the picks you took. You just didn't get you just didn't see the snowlands. Um so that that's one one way to look at that as well, just kind of look at what can I do? What was within my control in in that situation? And then from the other side of things, when you're seeing something from an opponent, it's good to pause and think about how frequently am i seeing this card played right because just because it happens to take out your best creature it's like okay it's a removal spell that's kind of what they do but am i going to run into this every single game probably not chances are you're not going to see the exact same card every single game especially not within the same league or with the same decks and so you want to keep that in mind as well that sometimes your deck is weak to something and that that is how the game works. Your deck isn't going to be bulletproof to absolutely everything. So it also, again, like Ben said, may have been lucky versus unlucky draws. They may have top decked the bound in gold in such a way that like you just happen to play your best creature and it feels bad, but that's that's part of the game.
1: Uh, the best players still lose about a third of their games, right? Third to half. Uh, I think one of the best lessons about magic and the best lessons that magic can teach you about life is that something sometimes you'll do everything right and still lose the game. And that's just how it is. It's a game. One person wins, other person loses, uh, unless you draw. Uh, but I don't actually think there's a way to do that in this format. There might be using like blue sun zenith or, or something like that. I don't know. And copy. I, I'm not entirely sure about that. But uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> but we get into the the first impressions of Strixhaven.
0: Yeah. So as we mentioned, Strixhaven's been out for about a week. We're gonna be going over our first impressions there. What we liked, what we disliked, everything kind of in between that. So we'll start here, just a broad overall. What do we think of the format? Ben, why don't you kick us off there? What are, what are your thoughts? What have you been thinking? How are you liking it?
1: Uh, I'm very happy that the snowy skies of Kaldheimer are, are long behind us. This is such a breath of fresh air. I'm a huge fan of color pair sets. The Ravnica sets that we saw a little while ago, um, big fan of them. Something about just double colored cards, it just, it, it hits right. It's like, yeah, that card feels blue-red, and it does a blue-red thing. That's nice. That's enjoyable. Um so far, I've had, I think I, I did, what, what did I say, like 15 drafts of this. And I'm not feeling like slowing down at all. I think five, what did I say, five of those, I had six plus wins. So I, I'm, I'm loving this so far. I'm uh, Well, I think I'm limited only by the amount of gems that I have at my disposal at this point. Uh, I'm ready to keep going. Uh, this set is super cool. I think they've finally nailed the flavor just right. Last set was admittedly, like we talked about, a little bit flavor light. Uh, this set i think they managed to balance the the school experience with some really really interesting card designs and gameplay
0: agreed i've been loving this set a lot uh, i haven't done quite as many drafts as you but i'm at about seven or so right now uh so averaging one a day and i ag- agreed i'm not looking to stop anytime soon as long as the gems are flowing and if you keep or six xing you're gonna be you're gonna be drafting the set forever but hopefully Hopefully. yeah I, it's been super refreshing really love how viable pretty much every deck type is I've seen some Twitter chains talking about um, I think Sam black actually had a had a Twitter chain go out today talking about how some of the some of the archetypes are actually a trap and those being some more some more specific uh of like some of the more niche like specific things that some people were looking at with some of the lore hold like grave hold, graveyard shenanigans and things being being kind of trappy but uh, talking about the you know the the fractal aspect of quandrix just being good so it's it's not that like every single thing is is a trap and like all the deck archetypes are traps but you know he was saying there were a few but every deck has felt pretty viable to me i haven't really been disappointed to find myself in any colors in particular because it's very easy to find your lane in this format and it feels good when you find and i think especially coming off of kaldheim where even if you found your lane, you might not have found your lane because your snow drafter yeah. t- the snow drafter to your right is taking up all your cards. <laughs> anyway, yeah. in this format, you find your lane by middle of pack one and you're in it and that's it. And you get fed all the things that you're expecting to get fed. And you might hit a weird situation where like two of the colleges are kind of open and you're actually getting paid off for both of them. I've found that a couple of times. Surprisingly to me, because I think it's probably the best archetype, I've seen Quandrix be open a lot in the last couple of days. I've seen Prismari be open a lot in the last couple of days. So it's looking it's looking really fun. I'm really excited to continue playing it, and I'm actually excited to try to get my hands on more decks because of the seven drafts I've done, I think five of them were teamer in some, some way, shape, or form. So I'm looking to actually try out Lorehold, being that uh, I'm <laughs> supposed to belong to that college. I have yeah. seen... We'll get into this in, in a little bit too, but I have seen a pretty unique looking lore deck that I'm pretty excited about trying out.
1: I want to mention what, y- what you said about the draft experience. I think that might be why we're enjoying it so much. I think Caldheim, the draft experience was rough, <laughs> to, to say the least, with, with Snow. Sure, there are, uh, I don't want to knock anyone's uh, enjoyment, but there are plenty of people out there that really in- liked the, the draft aspect of Caldheim. I don't think either of us were particular fans of it. Whereas this... This feels a little bit back to the kind of drafting that I enjoy the most, and that's drafting that uh, gives you that feeling of success. Uh, This is actually something that I've I've drawn from teaching. It's crucial to give someone that's learning a feeling of success. Give them something that they're able to achieve early on to show that, yes, you can do this. Uh, When you're drafting and you read a signal correctly, uh, and then you say, move into uh, Witherbloom, and then pack three you just get shipped like two Witherbloom rares and mythics. You're like, I did it. I read the signals. I got paid off for like reading the signals. I had a good draft because of the choices I made. And that's really, really important and fun. That's really fun to do. Uh, that's one of my favorite parts about drafts, reading signals and, and figuring out who the person on my right, is, what, what colors they're likely in, what colors haven't been flowing, uh, what I have seen coming from both directions. So this is a return to the kind of draft experience I really enjoy unlike callheim which was just muddled I don't know it, it, it was it wasn't the worst thing in the world you could still read signals but there was just this this snow element the the snow deck the snow drafters at the table you just never knew how they were going to mess with it
0: yeah I agree and I think actually the plethora of gold cards gives us a little bit more of that feeling than we would get in a typical set as well so coming out of time where you weren't really getting that feeling of yeah I got paid off for this into a set that feels like almost every pack you're like yes I'm getting I got past this, I'm this paid gold off this. common even though it's a common you're like yeah it's on color and it's a good card like Spectacle Mages I love seeing Spectacle Mages pass to me no matter what colors <laughs> I'm in if I'm in like I don't know freaking like Witherbloom I'm just like yes yeah, send me the Spectacle Mages <laughs> (laughs) I'll take it. All right, so that kind of highlights our thoughts here. We're going to move into a couple of different topics that we had set up for this show to just further drive the discussion. We talked a little bit about deck categories here. We're going to go through those a little bit more. As we've said a couple of times, kind of turns out that pretty much every color pair is pretty deep and pretty playable. There's a lot going on between them all, and even within each archetype, or sorry, within within each college, there actually seem to be a couple of different decks you can look at. There's you know in prismara you might have this sort of aggro y type plot type game plan if you can pick up a lot of we were talking about earlier with like the prismari apprentices and and the prismari pledge mages kind of get out this aggro magecraft sort of thing but then you also on the other end of the spectrum have this huge spell dot deck <laughs> kind of archetype where you just want to hold hold your ground early in the game and get to like 7 plus mana drop your spectacle mages so you can speed that up a little bit and then just jam a bunch of really expensive spells like snow day and uh and uh, the masterpiece and just uh, then you're off to the races right and copy all those and go nuts and then quandrix similarly has this big big game plan of playing a ton of lands playing some bigger creatures like the bookworm and things like that but then also just kind of outvaluing opponents and lorehold in particular lorehold has the graveyard shenanigans thing going on which is fun and very unique for for red white. And I like seeing it in a set like this. But it also has this weird aggro deck, and I, I say aggro with like air quotes, because it doesn't win early. What it does is it wins out of nowhere. And I've seen mm. a couple of these decks where you'll play something like Clever Lumomancer or Combat Professor or some other flyer that that's kind of small but has magecraft to pump itself up and just like every one or two drop combat trick you can get i've seen seven creature versions of this deck like like they only had seven creatures in the deck be able to kill on turn like 6 or 7 because all you need is one creature the rest of your hand is pump spells the creature has magecraft so it's pumping itself anyway and it has flying so it's hard to block and you just ding your opponent for 20 in like one turn it's yeah. like uh okay but it's still like a mid-rangey type deck because it, it it doesn't have enough stuff going for it to kill early. It's kind of an interesting... I act. will say,
1: uh, I have seen a Lumamancer with 10 power twice. <laughs> yeah, it's not
0: uncommon. I've seen it as well. Uh,
1: I, I still don't think it's the best card in the world. Sure. I think the really unique thing about this format is how important it is for your deck to have a specific game plan. Yeah. Now, I, I think I want to dedicate an entire episode to this. But, for example, you can't just jam every blue and red like a uh, uncommon into the same deck the apprentice like you mentioned is aggressive but the big spells want to get to the late game so they don't really play that well with each other sure you could do that and maybe depending on your draw you'll have you know whatever but this requires you to have a consistent plan between when you are drafting and in gameplay Mm-hmm. So that means you might have to make some choices in gameplay that you wouldn't otherwise make. So, I, I for example, I drafted a really low to the ground silver quilt deck. I'm talking like five one drops uh, and then a few uh, pump effects. Now, this format seems pretty mid rangey, which probably is the reason that I'm enjoying it so much. But I had to make some attacks that I I wasn't in love with. Um, for example, my opponent had a five five, and I knew that they had a uh, a four four elemental summoning in hand so that they had a, a five five on the battlefield their their tapped out and a four four in hand my opponent is at 12 and i have a board full of like four two twos it, it, this isn't the exact board state but it was something like this I, I attacked in because i knew my deck needed to win before they were able to go over the top and they were playing uh, blue green before they were able to start resolving some of their bigger stuff and stonewall me i knew i had to get their life total low enough because the way i was going to win that game was I needed to top deck either an evasion card, uh, this is actually the land that, that gives evasion, uh, like back alley or something like access that. Access tunnel. It's called. Access tunnel, that's it. Uh, the access tunnel, uh, as well as a few go-wide pump spells. There's a, a black one specifically and also a mono-white one, which of which I had uh, one of each in the deck willing to top deck. And it ended up working. Uh, I ended up hitting them. They fell to a low life total, and I was able to crack in for the last few points of damage despite losing one of my creatures in the process. That's a trade that I wouldn't have otherwise made if I didn't know the specific game plan of my deck. So I recommend keeping your deck's game plan in mind as you draft. This will help you decide if you're in Prismari, whether you want to take the big spell uh, or, say, another smaller uh, aggro, uh, uh common or something because maybe your Prismari deck doesn't actually want that big spell. Maybe it wants, uh, an opt to trigger your, uh, your apprentices, um, and your pledge mages to, to crack in early and end the game long before turn seven or eight when you'd usually be cast as big spells.
0: Yeah. And then there's also another archetype that's somewhat hidden. I, it's starting to get a lot of limelight now. And I'm a little sad about that because I haven't had the chance to draft it yet, but Cody spells. A lot of people wrote Cody off as a completely unplayable card, and I'm excited that it actually isn't, and that this is a format that supports decks with like less than ten creatures. Because the Cody deck is exactly what I want to do. Anytime I talk about playing constructed in any capacity outside of Commander, my decks pretty much strive to be zero creature decks. So very excited that we can get something close to that in a limited in a limited format that actually works and is, is well supported. And that all leads us to the summonings. Hmm, yeah so
1: it turns out the summonings they're not only i guess real cards they're good uh it, it turns out in this format slamming something like a five mana four four is usually enough to stabilize for prismari or uh, a three mana two on flyer is exactly what silver quill wants and, and even what all the white and black decks want they, they, they tend to want to get in damage or just the evasion is good um pests i think are a little bit more narrow these you don't really want anywhere besides Witherbloom, I've found. But in Witherbloom, they can be fantastic because there's so many little life gain triggers going around. It's not uncommon for a Witherbloom deck to incidentally gain like 5 to 10 life throughout the course of a game just from no effort, just from maybe uh, trading off pests here there or something like the Witherbloom Apprentice or, or even the, the, uh, the Pledge Mage. So learn is a very strong mechanic when you can uh, guarantee a good hit. And the summonings are... Just really good hits. I've been taking these pretty early and being happy about
0: it no matter what. Oh yeah, I agree. We and we were talking about it in our in our crack a draft type thing. Like they are in contention for early picks. Like they are just very good to have. I saw numbers somewhere that say like you basically want four at least four learn cards, four lessons per draft to be like comfortable. And from a math perspective, it seems that decks that have four and four perform quite a bit better than decks that don't. But yeah, I think a lot of people slept on some of the learn cards because they seem too bad for what they what they cost, but they really aren't. Like getting a, an actual card that is good and like Ben was saying there they're they're not the summonings themselves are not just cards, but they're they're really good in most situations. Like being able to grab a card, specifically a card you know you're getting and have that also be a very good card is a huge deal and really bumps up the power level of a lot of decks. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Now we should probably also mention the
1: alternate mode uh, on, on learn, which is the discard to draw. I would say as of now, I've probably used it roughly something between fifteen and twenty-five percent of the time. No, under five. I probably use the rummage effect around like fifteen to twenty percent of the time, and it's exclusively if I am uh, well. First of all, if I'm out of lessons to go get, <laughs> uh, or if I'm struggling to hit lands in like a uh, a blue or green deck, the kind of deck that really needs to hit its lands. If I'm in, like, Lorehold, you don't mind stalling at three mana or four mana. Sometimes uh, the lesson that you go get, you can even just cast, right? Uh, but in this case, yeah, I, I don't think you should be using it that often. For the most part, it's so much better to go get even the, the worst uh, lessons. So, for example, the colorless ones. Um, I take these over, say, like, mediocre playables. Uh, the The ability to go grab introduction to prophecy introduction to annihilation and expanded anatomy this is kind of the holy trifecta because this just gives you so much versatility so much ability to go get the specific thing that you need for example i was uh i was about to lose man it, uh, it's week one you can tell we haven't learned all the card names yet but there's a uh the silver quill enchantment where creature tokens get plus one plus one and if a non-token creature they control would die they get a uh, an inkling which is just in- incredibly good yeah I was able to go get an introduction to Annihilation the turn after they played it, and I just exiled it immediately. They got no value off of it. And sure, they drew a card, but you know what? I didn't lose the game. I won. <laughs> <laughs> and I would not have been able to win that game if, they, if I had some mid-range slug through the, this nonsense. They're getting 2 unflyers flyers on all their death triggers. That, that would have been absurd. And also introduction of Prophecy to help uh, maybe, say, scry you into hitting a land for the turn that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten. Or in the late game, going to find some action or uh, expanded anatomy can help you break through a board stall. I found flyers to be pretty important. Putting just a few counters on the two-two flyer and starting to smack in with that, getting past maybe their reach creature or uh, their one-three flyer or whatever. Just the the sheer flexibility of these cards makes me take these bad colorless ones. Like I said, above mediocre playables, ones that I'm I'm unsure if I, are going to make the cut because introduction of prophecy and annihilation, and expanded anatomy, they all make the cut. Like just having them, just the the, the mere value of having access to them is uh, incredibly significant. And these are the
0: bad ones. (laughs) So so like, then how much better are the good ones?
1: Just, uh, they're they're pretty great.
0: Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning, I don't know if this is just me, and I haven't talked to a, a whole bunch of folks about this yet, but I've ended literally every single draft that I've done with 39 plus actual playable cards in my deck like not mm. including the summonings and other lessons. It's like for mm. some reason in this and maybe it's the multicolored, maybe it's the fact that it's a longer longer sort of a mid-rangey controly type format, so you you can expect to get to the late game, but I always seem to have more playables than I need. Lessons are perfect there. If you can cut down the amount yeah. of extra playables you have in favor of lessons, well you're not actually cutting down on playables, then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a nice trade-off. Uh, I actually, along the same lines, I've been taking the dual lands uh, at, a, at a pretty high rate. The ability to scry in the late game I've also found pretty significant. Yep. There's kind of this ability to have explosive turns even in the late game, thanks to learn. Um, and scrying can actually help you get to those. Notably, Magecraft. I think we should we should probably just address along with the learn cards that when you are drafting enough learn cards all your mage trap triggers are just kind of doubled up um, mm-hmm. by, by the mere merit of you're casting an instant or sorcery and then getting an instant or sorcery. So for example, Witherbloom uh, Wither Apprentice. This doesn't look like the kind of card you'd put in the average black green deck. If they printed that in Zendikar Rising, you would have rolled your eyes and been like, all right, <laughs> like, right. Uh, no thank you. But the fact that this is now essentially, if you combine this with uh, Learn Cards, you guarantee that you're going to be draining your opponent for 2 and gaining 2 life that is much more interesting especially when you have the uh the holy lingering souls combo um oh, where yeah. y- you have the one to go get the other the one one of the black makes a pest and then learn the to specimens. go get pest summoning yeah. so yeah hunt into uh pest summoning yeah Basically, Lingering Souls. And you know what? These gain new life. So in a way, it's better than Lingering Souls. (laughs) And you know, it's actually immune to graveyard hate. So uh, Lingering Souls, good That's
0: a strictly strictly better two-card Lingering Souls. Got it.
1: Uh, Yeah, and and flying is a little overrated these days. And and four creatures instead of three,
0: I mean, who can count that high anyway? (laughs) All right, that said, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning of the episode as well. But this has been probably the most flavorful set we've had in at least the last year probably more than that and oh yeah i'm here for all of this like yeah. they, they nailed every aspect of the flavor of the set and i know like coming into it i was a little skeptical myself i know a lot of folks were skeptical of like oh we're just it's just it's harry potter great <laughs> yeah but it's not though like i mean it is let's be honest <laughs> it, it is but It still feels very magic-y. Like, it still feels like it's Magic the Gathering in a way that they failed to do with Ikoria and, like, all the Godzilla stuff and all that kind of stuff. Like, this is very clearly based on a different IP, but fits so perfectly within the Magic multiverse. Not even bad. That it, it just works. Yeah, and and the flavor between the houses, the way that they translated all that to cards with things like Hall Monitor and, like, uh, all the deans. Honor, honor Troll. <laughs> honor Troll, so good. Every single aspect of the flavor in this is fantastic. I actually can't think of something. A lot of times when we see sets like this where you're like, oh, the, the flavor's pretty good here. There's, like, one card, like the World Tree, that should be legendary and isn't. It, it, but, like, there's, like, one aspect of the flavor that, like, messes up. I can't find one in this okay there is one and it's the big oh, okay all right <laughs> that, yeah, that it should be a legend. legendary yeah uh, well, i guess that land specifically they're they're trying to get away from legendary land so i guess we're gonna have to cut them slack on that one but
1: yeah i guess so i mean I, but but the problem is like even that is a really cool callback to library of alexandria yes so i can't even get too mad about that one um true i think so, some of my favorites uh uh, for, first of all honorable mention to all of the blue green card names i mean there, there's just so many good ones um square up and it's like it, it's a four four yeah, in the yeah. art head yeah. double major body of research magma opus half the names are puns dude <laughs> it's, i mean it's they awesome. literally printed golden ratio yeah golden ratio um uh, i'm also a huge fan of uh echoing equation where the flavor text is any good experiment is repeatable and it makes copies of something just absolutely awesome. I'm going to, I think I mentioned it before, but I'm totally going to get one of these and staple it to the front of my classroom. Whenever my, my students are asking about hypotheses, I'm just going to point at that and be like, all right, you, you know what to do, but have some you other seen... favorites. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you about any of their other favorites uh, in the set so far.
0: Yeah. So I was just going to ask if you've seen the, the shirts that, that wizards uh, joined up with, um, I forget the name of, of the uh, the company, but I can link them in the in the episode description. Yeah, I haven't. They they set up shirts basically for all the colleges, like your typical college t shirt. Oh, nice. That's and cool. the Quandrix one, it's it says like it says Quandrix. I think it's a strict saving at the top and then it has the Quandrix logo and it says Quandrix under that. And then underneath it each it does the same for school every school or every college has very similar layout with the colors changed, of course. And and then it has like a the, the college's slogan underneath mm-hmm. the, the college name and uh for quandrix it says math is magic and it's like all nice. right all right nice i'm in war holds is leave no stone unturned cool it's just all of it is fantastic um as far as particular cards that i find extremely flavorful yeah i mean the biblioplex thing was really great and i love i love the callback to library of alexandria there that was that was really clever um i i just overall i don't think any of the cards individually stuck out to me as like oh my gosh, they really did that besides hall I can't stop talking about that card, but, <laughs> um, the fact that they all just work so well, they're all just like spokes in a wheel where like, they, mm. it just fills out that, that aspect of, of the game that I think a lot of people overlook. And I'm really excited to get into our flavor town episode for this one.
1: Yeah. I got to say set design, they've been crushing it recently. Okay. I mean, even call which we weren't huge fans of, it's still pretty great. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy the occasional broken snow deck. But anyway, uh, a few of my favorites. Uh, Ambrose, Dean of Shadow. For those that uh, that don't know or haven't seen it, this is the back half uh, of the black white deans, <laughs> I, I, I guess. Uh, the front half is uh, Shale, Shale, Shiloh, Shale, Dean of Radiance, uh, which is some kind of bird with flying. I don't care. Ambrose is Dude, the cool that's one.
0: Super birdist.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll read it. It's a 1 1. Uh, bird Cleric with Flying and Vigilance. You can tap her to put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature that, and that entered the battlefield this turn. I've actually found this to be pretty effective. It's a very uh, good I, card, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a very great card. Um, I once curved this into a Pest Summoning. <laughs> it was Oh my gosh. Sweet. That's yeah.
0: disgusting.
1: Yeah, it was dope. Um, oh, and then the, the coolest part was my opponent bounced it to my hand, and I was like, are, are, you, are you sure about that? I just replayed it as Embrose, uh, who is a 4-mana 4-4, 2-black-black you can tap, put a plus one, plus one counter on another target creature. Then Ambrose, Dean of Shadow, deals two damage to that creature. So he teaches you something. But if you're not up to the task, <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's sweet. But if you're strong-willed, if if you're strong of heart, you can grow and and, and learn. Uh, but if you have only one toughness. Uh, you're expelled uh, or, or worse, I suppose. And then of course, whenever a creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it dies, draw a card. That's the real kicker there. So even then uh, you're still, I guess, cycling out the, uh, the unworthy students and, and uh, drawing into some better ones.
0: <laughs> See, it's just perfect. Every aspect is perfect.
1: Yeah. I, I also really like Dina soul steeper. I'm not really sure why. Um, I, I like tea a lot. So the, the fact that uh, I, I just picture her like sacrificing little, uh, little pests making a nice brew and offering it to the, to the other students yeah good stuff now we wanted to address some of the the combat tricks and just the fact that i guess combat tricks and tricks are a little strange in this format a little bit different than we're used to there's some weird stat ones uh for example two in a red for plus three plus one and trample we usually see that effect as either slightly cheaper uh, it also has learned that's why it's so expensive either slightly cheaper or not quite that strong a pump ability i don't know it, you risk getting killed out of nowhere there have been plenty of games and my opponent has gone removal spell end step pump spell pump spell <laughs> you were at 12 but now you're at zero yeah uh some other tricks to be aware of are plus two plus oh and first strike also uh for one in the red and that one also makes a treasure which is kind of cute the, the green one there's uh, one for a green that's, that's based on how much life you've gained this turn. just some really strange stuff so I will say it's taken me a little bit longer to adjust to the combat tricks of this format than it does for a usual set, uh, but I'm getting the hang of it. it. It might take me a little while longer too, but just to, until we learn all the cards at least.
0: Yeah, I think the key to that is a lot of, and we've talked about this in our basics episode on combat tricks, but the the shortcuts our brains make in between sets is to find the, the cards that are common between sets, the, the archetypal cards, such as, you know, Ben was saying, the plus three plus one and trample effect typically is a two drop or, or cheaper, right? Like yeah. they, we have these these constructs in mind of here are these cards I'm expecting to see. And we don't really have many of them here. Most of them are adjusted in some way, shape or form. So, yeah. you know, this this buff and trample spell has learn attached to it, which means it's kind of two cards in one. It costs a little more. There's the first strike one. There's this weird one with the life gain thing. There's a hex proof one. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't right. have too many of those archetypal cards as far as the the combat tricks go. So it is taking a little bit longer to get used to for sure. Let's chat about
1: some of our, our favorite games we've played so far in the format. Um, I will say even the losses have been fun. And I think that's a sign of a great format. Sometimes in Caldheim, if your opponent goes over the top with snow and you're just getting just obliterated, not great. But I don't think I've felt that yet. Maybe, I don't know. It's still early in the format. But so far I've felt that even the losses feel pretty fun, pretty swingy. Um, we had a nice conversation in the Discord a while ago that sometimes you wind up in these late-game board stalls if there is, say, like blue-green against blue-green. But for the most part, stuff tends to trade. There's a lot of strong removal. Stuff disappears, uh, tokens get bounced to hand, that don't come back, other things like that. The board stays relatively clean. Uh, it never gets too messy. And uh, you wind up with some pretty fun, swingy games because of that. Because then uh, cards... Tend to have a larger impact when they're played. So, uh, what what were some of your your favorite games you played so far?
0: Yeah. Well, I should say of the seven, like I said, of the seven drafts I've done, five of them were some combination of teamer.
1: Mm-hmm. Shocking.
0: Yeah. They it, th- that color pair seems, or that's not even a color pair, but pre- either Prismari or Quandrix seems to be open pretty much every draft I've done. I drafted silver quills splashing green one time, and it did pretty mediocre. And then I drafted uh, just pure Witherbloom once and it did okay. Um, I still think that there's more to explore there from my side of things, but people keep passing me Prismar and Quandrix cards and I'm not going <laughs> to let that go. And dude, no no joke today, I on my lunch break, I got a draft in. I was passed a pack three pick 13 Frost Trickster. <laughs> oh my God. It's a mono blue card. That that means you passed it. I did. So, I did, but by the time it, I passed it, I had taken the only other card that should have been taken over it. So yeah,
1: I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I, I've seen some late heated debates too. So I don't know. People are still adjusting It's a new format. I will say, uh, I think another reason I may have been down on call time. I was doing a lot a quick draft. I missed human drafting. Um, I, I didn't have the gems for it for a little while, and I I just I just forgot how nice it is. Uh, people make mistakes while drafting. Uh, and that's a nice and, and refreshing twist on the draft experience. That, that's all I'll say. Um, like get, Getting past like Wandering Archaics and that type of thing, I'm like, colorless card, goes in any deck, strong. I'll take it. <laughs> but uh, uh, I think out of my decks that have gone 6x or better, according to my 17 lands data, all of them have contained either green or black. So there have been some uh, blue-green decks in there, there have been some green-black decks, and there, there have been some black- uh, white decks in there, so I guess I'd say I'm lower on red than other uh, other stuff. Red uh,
0: seems pretty typical for you,
1: yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. At the same time, I, I also recognize that I don't think there is a like clear weakest color pair or anything. I think they're all just about equal. I, I'm a little, I'm still a little bit lower on white cards in the the set breakdown. We were lower on silver quill. I have revised that a little bit because silver quill has just a ton of flyers and it yes. turns out that silver that Silverquill uh, p- plays really well with Flyers. Um, I, I guess that was kind of what the the one uh, uh, Uncommon was hinting at, the silver quill, uh, the, the Laureate. Um, yes. Th- it did kind of hint at that, and I've played that card a few times. It is slightly performed better than I thought it would. Turns out just a 3-mana 2-2 Flyer in this format can be good when your opponents are trying to play like 6-mana, 4-4 Fractal Summonings and that kind of thing. So I, as a black-green player at heart, uh, I have really enjoyed playing Black Green. Obviously, I had one deck that had three Witherbloom Apprentices, and it oh, played like yeah. a Storm deck. Uh, it, it, it was like having a tendrils of agony sitting on the battlefield, and just like That's going I mean. and, and like uh, uh, gather specimens, pest summoning, and then your opponent goes from like fifteen, and then they're at nine, and I haven't even attacked yet. And <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a good uh, a good time. I won a game on a Mole to five with a Plarg which Is the uh, uh, the front half of a, a blue red card, but I was playing it in a, in a red white deck. Um, it, it's a rummager, but I also had a tome shredder, so my play pattern was like discard an instant of sorcery, uh, tome shred it, <laughs> uh, have have the uh, good. the good boy eat the homework, and then <laughs> um, uh, just kind of attack from there. And that was uh, that was a lot of fun. I had a game where. I untapped at one life against an opponent's Wither Bloom Apprentice, which of course is the the spellcraft uh, or um magecraft a drain. I untapped at one life, passed back. My opponent didn't have a spell, and I ended up taking over the game. Uh, wow! And, and they just never had a spell. It, it was one of the most uh, edgier seat games I've ever played. I did have a few games where I tried to make clever Lubamancer work. Uh, it, 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 I mean, it, it performed about how you'd expect it to, <laughs> which was when it was great. Like I said, uh, one of the times that, that I, I got it up to a, one of the times I saw it at 10 power. It was on my side of the battlefield. The other time was on my opponent's side. That one was fun.
0: Yeah, I actually one of my one of my favorite games that I've had so far was with a Quandrix deck and I was playing. It was one of those grindy games where I was also against the Quandrix deck. So we were just yeah. gumming up the board. I managed to get, I think, a Frost Trickster out, or it might have been actually. I think it was the it was it was not a Frost Trickster. It was the three one flyer with Ward, mm, yeah. and I had that and a Vortex Runner out, and the two of them were just going to town, doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Vortex Runner's gone up for me in those decks. It is so easy to close out games with Vortex Runner. Mm-hmm. I think in this set because we don't have your your prototypical, uh, you know, Azorius or blue white flyers deck it's it's just not Mm. a deck flyers are very very valuable in this format very few decks have them outside of silver quill and they're pretty sporadic for the decks that do have them so scooping up flyers seems to be like a good way to win games i haven't tried to go all in on a flyers deck or anything but there aren't a ton of them in most decks so it's a pretty Mm. easy way to win
1: yeah i found the silver quill decks that i i've found perform the best uh, whether against me or me playing have been ones that can reliably curve out with a flyer but before turn five uh yeah. like playing at least one flyer as part of your your first several cards whether it's a summoning uh or a silver quill laureate uh or a- any of the other common flyers yeah and that's so, actually uh,
0: something worth mentioning is i was a little down on um and i actually i'll, I'll shout out andy here uh an individual in our discord Andy X. um immediately after we f- filmed the or we recorded the the uh the format breakdown last week where we were basically bashing on silver quill for most of the thing and worry- saying oh we're so worried that this isn't going to really work in this format yeah. almost immediately andy posted the first trophy of the format with the silver quill deck and we were just like okay <laughs> well you know what so uh, we, yeah. i guess we're quitting um but alan Ow- shield mage is, is a card i want hmm. to kind of Point out yeah. because I think a five mana three three flyer is something that most people are probably like, like it's fine, but it's it's a little slow. You'd rather that be four mana, you know. However, in the deck that you just described, Ben, where you're curving out, doing doing the thing, you're bashing in for a handful of damage, and then you get to slam an Allen Shield Mage on five. They might be at like nine life. What are they supposed to do? Take the three to kill it? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like it's just great. I had one. I had a game with the the only Silver Quill deck that I played. The only win I got with that deck was situation like that where i had been bashing in i got my opponent down to i think seven the owl and attacked got them down to four and then i was like they literally just can't remove my my creature they're just gonna die
1: yeah especially because like you mentioned a lot of other decks can't produce flyers to, to block it or anything yeah. they, they just don't really have much to do against it uh that ward three makes it just an absolute beater and i've honestly found that usually you don't want to put counters on the cards that your opponent wants to remove anyway You'd, you'd rather put uh, like a 1-1 one, one counter on like a 2-2 two, two to upgrade it uh, into something that can attack more profitably into most creatures. But in this case, I've actually found it's an okay thing to put a counter on because it really forces the issue. Yep. Uh, now, again, take this hint with a grain of salt. There's still going to be most times when it's probably better to play, uh, to say you have a, a counter you have to put somewhere, to put it on one of your other creatures. But if you can reduce the clock by like a turn uh, to take them from, uh, I don't know, if your opponent is say it's seven, then yeah, put the counter on this thing because now they can't target anymore. They'll just die. Right, exactly. <laughs> combat professor I want to shout out to has also been a pretty fantastic common in white. That's the three and a white for a two, three flyer. And uh, at the beginning of combat on your uh, turn, akuchi you control gets plus one, plus oh, and gains vigilance until end of turn. Notably, when both, the, uh, both players have one of these in the battlefield, there's a pretty funny jousting session that goes on where uh, it's a two, three uh, all the time. So if you buff itself, it's it attacks as a 3-3 vigilance. And then the other one just kind of has to sit there and be like, all right, well, wait till wait till next turn when I'm coming back right at you.
0: <laughs> That's funny.
1: Let's uh let's go over a few achievements that that we or other people or have uh completed or want to see completed. First one that I uh, I'm I'm pretty proud of. I got this one early on. A turn to Bayou Gruff. That is the dream. Yep. Turn two five four. It's exactly as good as it sounds. Uh I will say. My opponent played a frost trickster <laughs> on it immediately after, but it was still pretty great. It, it was still pretty great. I, I sacked an eye, twitch, so I got to learn.
0: Okay, well, I that I mean that's good. iTwitch twitch is fantastic. I had a similar situation from the opposite side of things, where an opponent went like I can't remember what what their one drop or two drop was, but they they basically played a two drop into a demigoth uh, woe eater, the mm-hmm. seven six one for four. Yeah. And then I was just like, okay, I, I top decked a, tricks, um, a Frost Trickster, and then they just, like, used, they used their stupid uh, the black-green spell that gives something death-touch and brings it back from the graveyard when it dies, and then they sacked it to itself and brought it back, and it was just like, uh,
1: sick. Oh, I didn't win value. that game. So good. Um, I, I've actually done the Groff trick a few times. You can also sack um, unwilling ingredients. That's the common, yeah. I guess, the more common version of the thing. I twitch is often, you'd rather let keep attack a few turns in. But come on, when you get the chance to turn to Bayou Grub, you have to take it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I used a sign in blood, which was, of course, uh, an archive card, uh, to kill an opponent. Now, it was actually perfect because not only were they at two life, uh, I should mention sign in blood is black, black. Target player loses two life and draws two cards. My opponent had was at two, and they had one card in their library. <laughs> so Nice. Now, I assume. They would lose the damage first because the like the, the effects resolve in the order that yeah. they're listed, but they scoop with it on the stack, so it didn't really matter.
0: <laughs> wow! So you actually um, kind of killed them in three ways.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. the the, uh, the the damage, the drawing, and the shame.
0: Exactly. That's awesome. Uh,
1: I, I really want to try using Blue Sun Zenith to, to target an opponent. Uh, I will say I have only had the pleasure of targeting myself with Blue Sun Xena.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, likewise, uh, kind of in a similar vein, I saw, and I'm sure most of our listeners have already, but LSV posted this amazing screenshot of a Mizzix Mastery deck that he put together where he was able to like just cast like eight extra spells for free, basically. It, w- it was nuts. It was absolutely yeah. disgusting, and I really want to do that. That would be incredible. Haven't yeah. seen one, though
1: mizik's mastery into any of the big uh prismari spells on because you discard it on turn two and then Nivix mastery back on turn three like
0: yeah it's disgusting.
1: you're casting a three uh like an eight mana spell on turn three how do you lose
0: yeah yeah really it's, enough it's I, I
1: think uh yeah usually the one that deals five damage is better like the five damage look at the top five cards grab one that I think is a better like top end card to help stabilize sometimes but actually I think you'd rather have two four fours on turn three right
0: Yeah, probably. There's not a whole lot that that can interact that that early.
1: Uh, Also, it is possible to copy a time walk in this format. Just saying. I'm sure someone's going to do it. Hopefully it's me. (laughs) All
0: right. That brings us on to some miscellaneous notes. We just wanted to touch on a couple of things to keep in mind while you're drafting Strixhaven. Early on before everybody's got all the cards memorized and such. First up, there are a lot of cards with Reach in this format, and a lot of them are cards that you wouldn't actually expect to have Reach. We talked about Pillar Drop Warden earlier. It's like, what is this one five doing with Reach? It's just silly. Uh scurred colonies, like these these little squirrels that also have it. And that one's weird because like it gets bigger later and it's like, wait, does it get reached later or does it always have reach? Yeah. It's just yeah. It always has Reach. Pay attention to that one. Master Symmetrist, which is uh, you know, the four mana four four that it's, a rhino. Reach. Yeah, it's, like, it's what? not even that tall <laughs> like what it's very strange uh the flyers are really strong though so it's good that there are creatures that can deal with them that aren't flying themselves so yeah uh, definitely pick these up if you're in in these colors but uh also be a, be sure to pay attention for them when you're seeing them on the other side of the battle
1: i attacked my two three flying specters straight into a four four scurred colony and uh, my opponent was at like six 2 I didn't even get to activate the the drain effect. Uh, that was a game that I should not have. That I I, I went from being unable to lose to uh, being unable to win, thanks to my inability to read magic cards. So watch Close. out for those dang squirrels; they'll get you.
0: Yeah, there are also a lot of playable cards. We talked about this a little bit as well. Like I am always coming out of my drafts with way more playables than I have in previous sets. The power level commons is pretty flat, and because there are a lot of commons in multicolors they seem to just get fed to you when you find the lane so yeah keep an eye out on that keep an eye on which of those that you're cutting most frequently and probably adjust your drafting to pick up lessons instead would be my recommendation there and of course there have been a bunch of bugs floating around as there typically are at the beginning of a new set if you haven't already i posted this in the discord uh, a couple of days ago but wizards actually gave out a code to give you two basically two extra levels on the mastery pass uh and it works if you don't have the mastery pass as well but there's a code restorative burst i'll put that in the episode description but it's also on the discord um and that was basically just like an apology from wizards to say like hey we had a bunch of bugs sorry here are a couple extra levels yeah i didn't actually get hit by any of those bugs so i'm not too worried about it but i'll take the free levels and such uh, no problem
1: i heard there were some weird ones uh the prismari card that attacks to to discount your next incident or sorcery spell i heard sometimes it would discount your opponent's instead yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny it's pretty stupid <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what blue red players get they yeah, up that's it. maelstrom muse <laughs> yeah yeah there yeah there were a couple of weird ones um uh, but most of them i think are fixed at this point they they did a patch last week so hopefully hopefully it's all set but uh yeah use that code if you haven't already That's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to us ramble about this new set. We're super excited to get our hands on it and continue drafting let us know what your first impressions of the set have been in the discord You can check that out as i said the episode is the link is in the episode description as well as on our twitter page at draft Chaff pod if you're interested in giving back to the show or supporting us in any way shape or form the best place to do that is on patreon you can go to patreon.com forward slash draft to check that out but if you're not interested in patreon that's cool we totally get it show's always going to be free however you can still support us and the way to do that would be to share the show Put it on your socials, send it to your friends, send it to your enemies, your loved ones, your hated ones, whoever it may be. Uh, get get more ears on the show. That's a great way to support us as well. If you want to talk to either Ben or myself and you don't want to join the Discord, you can do so on Twitter by finding me at Alfredian or Ben at Betafish1. And as I mentioned, the, the podcast page is on uh, at DraftChaffPod on Twitter as well. And you can email us at DraftChaffPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Later, everybody. C nine seven nine B dash four six one nine two dash F three seven one two dash B four C E two dash A eight three three eight. Any guesses as to uh, what that was?
0: I have a few, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it for the listener to figure out.
1: So here's the thing. This is, you know, um, I say this. This is, of course, rhetorical. You know, uh, in The Dark Knight, when the Joker does that thing. Yes, I, I know. <laughs> with, with the boats. And he's like, ooh, you can blow each other up. But uh, if no one blows each other up, then I blow you both up. And by the way, one ship is full of prisoners and the other ship is full of people. Um, well. Wow. Not the prisoners aren't people. <laughs> i guess i should say prisoners and non-prisoners
0: i can't believe you just said that
1: (laughs) well okay prisoners versus non-prisoners obviously prisoners are people uh abolish the, the the prison system it's messed up anyway um my reasoning is that Maybe no one's going to do this. Maybe there's going to be some, like, bystander effect, you know? Maybe no one will try plugging in this code into Arena. Maybe everyone's just too lazy. It could be a million packs. So you don't know this. Uh, it could be 20 gems. Uh, I actually also don't know what this code does. But this is a social experiment. We wanted to see if someone, like, if they post in the Discord about when they did this, uh, or so and if they claim it. I'm kind of interested to know who the first person to hear this sign off is going to be like, who's, who's the the person that hears this episode first and listens all
0: the way to the end. I think they've earned it. Yeah, I agree. I actually think that's interesting. I've always loved those posts that you see on Reddit where it's like a code that's dropped. And then everybody's like, Oh, I didn't get it. But you know, thanks for posting. I really yeah. hope that somebody is out there posting those, but just posting the ones they've already used. So like nobody can <laughs> get it, but nobody knows nobody can get it because Maybe the person who got it just didn't comment anything.
1: That's true. That's true. Well, tell you what, I'm gonna go double or nothing. C nine A B six dash E seven seven two A dash F C three five F 29 two nine F two four dash A six oh sorry that zero e one all right now it's an even more ethical dilemma because does the person that takes the first one do they leave the second one for someone else do they do it themselves find out next week (laughs) on, on draft chat